You're listening to the SWAT Agronomy Podcast, the show for people who leverage the latest in technology to solve agronomic problems. If you're interested in on-farm application of precision ag technology, you've come to the right place. Get ready as we unpack the insights and experiences of the agronomic minds leading our industry forward. Today on the SWAT Agronomy Podcast. We're running very quickly into a deficit of people in this industry, in this channel from start to finish and thinking that we're going to do that all with robotics and computers, I think is a fallacy. So trying to cultivate that next generation to spark some interest in pursuing agriculture from the perspective of CCAs, just I'm very passionate about that and trying to open doors for young people to get them started. Agronomist Deb Campbell of Agronomy Advantage joins us to talk about her work in Ontario, Canada. Deb has a great perspective as a certified crop advisor who's worked directly with farmers for several years now. As you'll hear, she not only runs a thriving crop consulting business, but she's also been very involved in a number of different places, including serving on the board of directors for the Certified Crop Advisors, the Provincial Soil Action Group, Agscape, and a number of other entities. Deb and I talk about some of these responsibilities and of course, her thoughts and experiences with Precision Ag Tools. If this is your first time you've listened to the SWAT Agronomy Podcast, welcome. My name is Tim Hamrich. I'm a communications consultant and the host of the show. I've partnered with the SWAT Maps team for this podcast, and we hope you'll join us as we explore where the latest in agronomy meets the latest in technology. Now enjoy today's featured conversation with Deb Campbell. I'm Deb Campbell and I own and operate Agronomy Advantage Inc. And we're based in Midwestern Ontario, about an hour west of Toronto. And uh, the core of our business is field scouting, crop recommendations direct to farmers. We've added in swap mapping four years ago and uh, really taken on a much bigger direction into precision ag and zone management with our clients. So tell us about the the farmers you work with. What's unique about your area or the farmers that you serve that might be different from others who, who could be listening from other areas? Well, the core of my clientele are row crop producers. Corn, soybean, wheat are the dominant ones, but we're kind of unique in Ontario. In our region, we have a lot of spring cereals, forages, canola even. You know, canola is actually a fairly prominent crop for me. You know, so a lot of diversity and we kind of specialize in canola because it's you know, it's a relatively small crop and, you know, something that we uh, we are quite good at, um, you know, agronomically. So we, we sort of specialize in that and, you know, it actually to the point where it brings us clients. And so, I, you know, on any given year, I could have a grower on board that um, really is, we're just servicing their canola acre right up to uh, very large, very diverse businesses, you know, with grain elevation and seed businesses and, and everything all incorporated in their farm. And I don't know, I, <laughs> I mean, the farmer is the core of my business and I have some fantastic clients and, you know, some that have been on with me right from day one <laughs> that I opened my doors. And in the last 11 years, this business has, has really changed. There's so much more opportunity you know, I realize that uh, this space can sometimes get into a negative viewpoint, economics, all that kind of stuff. But I just look at it as a tremendous opportunity at the farm level and being able to manage that, contribute to my clients managing that. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And can you talk more about the opportunity? Do you mean in terms of like 
the commodity prices or, or what, what do you mean when you say the opportunity at the farm level? Well, it's almost all of it. You know, yeah, there's the market pricing and the whole being able to capture and perhaps be in the top third of the market most of the time. I mean, that's uh, an art all of its own, you know, but even agronomically, you know, I kind of compare it to a dairy farm that has installed robots in the last five or 10 years. And, and now they know the metrics on every calf every day, all day. And, you know, they can go to their dashboard and see that. And we're kind of almost on the brink of that in field crops. Yeah, I mean, really, there's quite a big space there yet. But, you know, being able to measure more, monitor more, manage more all through the season and knowing that we have tools that allow us to make some good decisions throughout the season, you know, at the end of July on corn, I can scout my fields um, spatially according to my zones. I know where I've put my high density populations. Um, we can monitor for disease according to that. Things like that, that when I started in my career or, you know, and even not that long ago, we're just randomly scouting fields, looking for issues, looking for good areas. We now have a very detailed roadmap to be able to do that. And that to me is creating a lot of opportunity to manage the risks on the highs and the lows. And I personally haven't felt that we've had this ability up till now. That is exciting. You know, and you mentioned there's still quite a gap there, but what do you see as the next step toward that end? So I've been in business now for 11 seasons and, you know, I was wanting to build out precision egg right out of the gate and you know meeting with some of my clients we were really struggling with good yield map data you know so i was approaching it from the yield map side of the equation and and using that detail to start to make zones and decisions accordingly and but you know the the frustration in the marketplace around getting good yield data it's very real and i'm not sure we're still moving ahead very much on it you know, just equipment issues, you know, having multiple pieces of equipment in the field for larger producers, you know, losing signal, losing data. It just um, has really been a struggle to get, you know, significantly clean yield data to be able to make decisions on. So, so with that frustration in hand, after a couple of seasons, um, just kind of sat back and started looking at the, you know, building our zones from the soil up and, you know, looking at a few of the options here in Canada, in Ontario, um, you know, what we could do to create those zones and narrowed it down to a couple of options. And, and certainly the swap map option appealed to me. We're in a, an area with lots of variability, lots of topography, and yet being able to make things simple in a precision ag space has a lot of value. And, and then we're gonna build that with our SWAT cams that are launching this year in Ontario that are going to provide yet another layer of data for us, crop density, plant population. And then we're ourselves, our own manpower is out in the fields monitoring pest pressures, emergence issues, any and all of those things that we see in season. To me, the next challenge or opportunity is, you know, how do we put this all together? <laughs> so we're creating this huge bucket of data that, again, how do we bubble it down into something that, okay, this decision needs to be made. There's an opportunity to manage, you know, nitrogen on these zones better or 
fungicides on these zones better. Being able to put all of that together and do it in a timely fashion <laughs> is, you know, somewhat of a hurdle that needs to be addressed that, um, you know, I'm hoping to see, uh, you know, some improvements in that space over the next five years. So the analytics piece, I guess, is the bottom line is to be able to take all this information, including that yield map, you know, at the end of the season, the report card and be able to make those very tangible decisions. And, you know, so instead of profit per farm, you know, we're nicely into profit per acre, you know, analysis type of analysis based on a lot of different pieces of information. And could you talk more about sort of the the problem with yield data? I mean, it, it's kind of crazy that, you know, there are people proclaiming we solved that problem, uh, you know, a decade ago, uh, but yet it still sounds like we have it. Could you just maybe talk more about that? Yeah. So, you know, trying to get to a point where yield data is fully automated, right? So we have the technology to be able to record on the go, even with the multiple machines in the field, have it load to the cloud and, and receive it and look at it and work with it. But that's in, you know, rose-colored glasses world. <laughs> it doesn't really very often play out that way. So, you know, particularly kind of speaking to the large producer, but even you know, even producers at 1,500 and 2,000 acre level, you know, you get to the data at the end of the season, you're cleaning it up, you're looking at it in November or December, and well, you know, these eight passes are missing, you know, in a, in a field. So you've got these bare areas and you can, you can kind of fill it in, but you know, you're, you're modeling at that point to fill it in. You're not really using real data you know, or producers brought in an extra combine to help. And that one does not sync up with their basic uh, platforms that they're using for the, the rest of their fleet. And, you know, or just the errors of topography that that creates, you know, going uphill versus downhill, getting differences in passes, even in fields. And we can smooth all that out. But the expectation is with all of this technology, I'm no different than anybody else. We want to be able to hit that easy button and have a clean, usable set of data when we're done. And and it's just not that simple. There's a lot of post-harvest massaging and cleaning that has to be done with yield data before it truly is usable and, you know, to make real decisions on. And we still need that to be easier. Yeah, there's a lot. Let's go back to you, you know, starting the company. Uh, you had worked as an agronomist before, right? And um, what kind of pushed you in the direction of, of trying to go independent? So I started in 2012 and there was about a, I'd say a, a year, maybe 14 month lead up to that where you have that eureka moment where, you know, you could maybe do something on your own. And yeah, I forget the exact day that happened, but the day it happened it wouldn't go away. <laughs> so, you know, every time you'd just be sitting there daydreaming or had some space that you could think on things, it was always about what could I do if I was doing this on my own? What's not being done? What could be done better? And it basically took me over. Like I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And, and then, you know, finally I'm like, oh, I have to do this. I absolutely have to do this. And, you know, going out on your own takes a, a little bit of lead time to put things in order so that you have a little bit of security when you're doing it because there is in fact a lot of risk but you know I was very fortunate with my previous career path that 
I knew a lot of people and I had the support of a tremendous amount of people that the day I announced that I would be um, starting my company within a matter of days, my first season was full. And that truly goes back to having the support of a lot of people around me <laughs> and just never looked back. Like I don't advertise or very, very little. It's all word of mouth and keeps creating new opportunities with new clients or new opportunities with existing clients. That's great. And I, I see you've got a team now. Is that something that you set out to have from the beginning or is that just kind of happened uh, organically over time? Well, it wasn't really something that was in the plan at first, but the demand was there. The demand was almost even overwhelming within that first season to try and be doing everything by myself on time. And I'm kind of a little bit of a perfectionist detail kind of person. So trying to have the best possible delivery of services is pretty important to me. So it became pretty obvious that I needed another set of hands. And then that first set of hands became two. And I think in the first three years, I doubled my business. Well, right through to about year five. And then, you know, you kind of hit that plateau where, you know, expansion is going to take something substantially different. So that wasn't really in the cards. So you get a little bit of staff turnover, things like that, which, you know, I hire a lot of young people and, you know, they're here to learn and uh, develop skills too. And that's, that's all great. But having stability is also important as a business owner and, and stability for my clients. So I had a little bit of um, challenges trying to uh, stabilize workforce for a couple of years. Just, you know, a lot of people coming and going and things like that. It's the reality in small business, I think. And then, um, Certainly the, the crew that I have on right now is fantastic. They're great to work with and it, it really helps make my business better, makes me better, you know, helping, helping them get started and, and having them taking on some of the workload. And so when we took on SWOT mapping, you know, there was a bit of a, a lead up time till you really get that whole thing rolling, but that has become a very significant part of my business as well. So folks come in the door because they're wanting some help for agronomics and or they're wanting some help on precision ag. And, you know, the two parts of my business are almost equal now, which, um, you know, I wouldn't have thought that was possible, you know, four or five years ago. So it's been good. That's really cool. Just opportunities open up the way that they have and for it to be something that you continue to enjoy and really grow at, a, at what sounds like a healthy pace. Well, I also know that you were on the board for the Certified Crop Advisor Board of Directors. So I guess along kind of similar lines is what we're talking about with employees and other people wanting to go independent. You know, is that a consideration for that board of like, how do we get more people into this industry? And if so, you know, what's happening there? Yeah, the Certified Crop Advisors in Ontario has been a huge success on its own. You know, they, they acknowledged early on to have full-time executive director and have that focus and leadership in the development of the Certified Crop Advisor program in Ontario. So, you know, the program continues to grow, albeit a little smaller than it did in the early days, but um, just a very solid organization that delivers a lot of training opportunities for CCAs in Ontario. And it, it was a fantastic experience participating on the board and, and chairing the board. You know, it was interesting. One of the previous chairs, um, you know, he said, 
there's a lot of gray hair around this table, which, you know, at late 40s, I'm not sure that really is quite true. But, you know, he really wanted to see youth and young people around that board table um, just to provide that extra perspective. You know, if we're recruiting young people out of school, we need to understand that uh, demographic and so we implemented a mentoring program that uh, new CCAs could come on the board, do a board project for us, um, sit on the board, see the decisions, see the interaction, those sorts of things, get some early board experience in their career. And and hopefully, um, you know, we'll see them circle back around and participate on the board in the future. And, and they become ambassadors to the young people that are looking to become CCAs or looking to become you know, get their certification. And that's really worked well, having that focus on on youth and that focus on cultivating expectations for young people to step out of out of university and, and right on the path to becoming a CCA. And we need to do probably more of that. Um, it's a volunteer board, so it's, you know, limited resources that way. But anytime I have an opportunity to be sitting in front of a, a class at university, a class at even at the public school and talking about anything ag related or what I've done in ag or any of that stuff, I take it, I seize it every chance I get because we're running very quickly into a deficit of people in this industry, in this channel from start to finish. And I don't know where our next generation is going to come from that, that fills the voids and thinking that we're going to do that all with robotics and computers, I think is a fallacy. So trying to cultivate that next generation to spark some interest in pursuing agriculture from the perspective of CCAs, just from the perspective in the industry. You know, I am very passionate about that and trying to open doors for young people to get them started, ride alongs with me in the truck or some of the school event days that uh, we participate in just showing them about GPS equipment. And, you know, they think the Can-Am's pretty cool. <laughs> but if they happen to remember that it's attached to a sophisticated device that measures uh, soil parameters, even better. <laughs> so, you know, I'm always targeting that young group to encourage them. Very cool. Well, I, I should have warned you that I will be jumping around a lot. There's just so much I want to get to with you. So I apologize if it feels like I'm just coming at you from different angles with every question. But um, I did want to talk about Ontario Agriculture's soil health and conservation strategy. I th that caught my eye because I don't know how many areas have like an ag soil health and conservation strategy. Could you just maybe talk about that? Because I'm just curious how that works. Sure. Um, so that strategy was launched in 2018. And um, it was a collaborative strategy that involved, you know, many different stakeholders in the industry from, you know, the conservation folks to the science folks, researchers to the end users, you know, such as farmers or retailers, you know, some of the uh, commodity groups were involved in in pulling that together. Of course, it was very science based as well. And it's quite a significant document. I forget how many initiatives are laid out in there. It's it's over a hundred, and you know it it was meant to serve as a roadmap for soil health in Ontario up to 2030. You know what what are we doing well? What needs more attention? What are the gaps? Um, you know whether it's in extension, whether it's in research, whether it's in equipment operation training. All of that was looked at and documented in that strategy. 
So it's quite in-depth and um, a lot of information in there. And, you know, once it launched in 2018, you know, some organizations, so in Ontario specifically, we have Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association, and they've been a fundamental organization when it comes to soil and soil health for, I'm not sure, 30, 40 years. You know, so for them, it, it almost becomes a roadmap of, you know, what initiatives we can offer to producers to um, enhance soil health in Ontario and achieve some of these targets by, well, we didn't really have a lot of targets, but be able to check off some of these initiatives by 2030. So then, you know, down the path of that, um, you know, it was identified in about 2021 that, you know, we really didn't have a lot of momentum behind achieving some of the goals that were laid out in the strategy. So industry group came together again under the Soil Action Group and went through an extensive process of okay, what are we going to prioritize? You know, there's hundreds of ideas in here. We can't do them all. What are we going to prioritize? Where's the biggest gain to be had? Things like that. So, you know, again, back to the researchers and extension and um, commodity groups all put our heads together collaboratively to come up with some, you know, some quick wins, some uh, tangible activities to be able to accomplish some of these things in the short term. You know, the goal is to be able to hopefully sit here in 2030 and and say that, you know, soil health has improved, water quality has improved, you know, hopefully with some metrics behind that, that uh, Ontario farmers and and the industry of of agriculture in Ontario can, can look at and say, yeah, we did something here. And, you know, I'm sure by 2030, there'll be somewhat of a, you know, a next template to be building on and following by that point in time as well that is great and so i didn't catch if you said it but so how regularly will you be updating the strategy or is it just kind of like until that next uh point that you mentioned so the strategy is essentially what the first step was you know we we subdivided it and came out with 17 or 18 focus areas that we felt were the higher priorities to get started with and so the goal would be to have plans in place actually here right shortly this spring to be able to kick off initiatives to address those 18 priorities. And, you know, some of those might be an activity that runs for the, you know, the season, um, you know, something perhaps like extension and having having more field events and having more producers out, you know, learning about soil health, per, you know, just as an example. And other pieces, such as the research side of things, you know, it could be a five-year research study to generate the data to understand, you know, microbial populations and and how they interact in the soil. So, yeah, it's, you know, fairly small, short timeline initiatives all the way through to very large and complicated and collaborative longer-term initiatives and as some of those priorities get accomplished, then new ones will be picked up, you know, sort of on a next round. Uh, hopefully within another couple of years, we'll have a next round with another set of priorities based on that strategy and, you know, hopefully repeat again and we can get two or three cycles done by 2030. It's a, it's a pretty tall order, <laughs> pretty tall order, but a very engaged group. Like it's impressive you know, from the commodity organizations right through to the researchers and, and I'm there representing certified crop advisors. It's impressive to see all of that pulling on the same rope to deliver 
manageable improvements in soil health in Ontario and water quality. That's part of it as well. So yeah, one of those activities that's above and beyond what my sort of normal day-to-day is as an agronomist within my company, but being involved in a bigger project like that, a bigger picture project like that is, I I enjoy doing that stuff. Um, You know, we're not going to change things if, if folks don't jump in and and help guide it (laughs) and create it or what have you. So I certainly took this project on for the last uh, four years and about ready to hand off my, my section of it for someone else to take over, but I wouldn't change that opportunity at all. It's been very rewarding for myself. Very cool. Deb, you do so much. I can't believe it. (laughs) Every day is a different day. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Well, anything else we should touch on before I, I let you go? Um, SWAT related, precision ag related, any of these other tangents I took you down? Anything else? Yeah, I think um, that's a pretty good cross section of, of what we're doing and how we're doing it. And um, being able to merge the two aspects of my business is, uh, you know, the, the field scouting with the zone management is kind of our next level. We got started with that last year in uh 2022 where we were basically using our our SWAT maps our zones as our scouting guide and it's pretty interesting to see how pests match those soil zones or diseases match those soil zones at times so i think there's um something to be said for uh continuing down that path of integrating our scouting procedures to match our our zone management and um, you know, it's kind of a new space for us, and I don't think there's a lot of work necessarily being done in that space, but I see some opportunity there. So that's kind of our, our next on deck. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so very much to Deb Campbell for taking time to be on the show. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about her work or get in touch with Deb, you can do so via her website, which is just agronomyadvantage.ca. Are you finding value from this podcast? If so, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts while you're there. And if you've got any recommendations for guests or topics or questions to answer here on this podcast, please tweet them to us by using the hashtag SWAT Agronomy.